It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And this week, as we get that much closer to our Summerween celebration, next week here at the show, it is the week of July 24th, 2014, show number 81. And this week, we are going down and deep and discovering many new things. We're going to uncover ancient relics and more because we're going down to the lost city of Atlantis. And this week for show number 81, we are going to have the one and only... Claudia Christian stopping in here at the show. That's right, Claudia Christian, who is Helga Sinclair in Atlantis the Lost Empire, as well as Babylon 5, Maniac Cop 2, shows like Dallas, and many other things, is going to be stopping in here at the show. And Claudia is going to stop in and talk about what it was like being part of this Disney animated classic, this masterpiece with Atlantis the Lost Empire, talking about a variety of different things, including James Garner, the late actor who passed away this week, many different things including Babylon 5 and some crazy fans that she's encountered over the years and many different comic cons. We also have the D-Team back. That's right, no show would be complete without the D-Team here. And you have questions and he has answers. And Aaron is going to dip his hand in that virtual mailbag and answer all your questions and I want to know. We also have Lexi, our D-Team member from Down Under, as she's going to give you more about our very special guest here this week, Claudia Christian, with this week's Hollywood Walk. We also have Paige returning with a magical music review, as she's going to look deep into the music of Atlantis, the Lost Empire. We have Jason with The Vault, as he's going to give you another Blu-ray and DVD that you want to add to your collection. And let's not forget everything going on at the Walt Disney World Resort this week, and we have Caitlin returning with WDWN2. And let's not forget what is going on this week in Disney history with Nathan. So we have all kinds of fun on the horizon, many of the D-Team, and tons of news hot off the D-Wire from the Disney Channel, movies, the theme parks, Anna and Elsa, Frozen, many different things, including a little bit of pirate news as well. So we have all kinds of things hot off the wire here this week. So all of you D-Eds, as we prep the submarine here, we're going to make our dreams come true. We're going to follow our path in life, uncover many different gems, and discover that lost city of Atlantis. So let's officially kick off show number 81 for the week of July 24th, 2014 by letting us follow our path and taking it where the dream takes you. Be right back, all of you D-heads. They'll try to hold you Change your mind They'll try to change your heart Oh yeah 
Legend of Atlantis. Pure fantasy. Well, that is where you'd be wrong. That young thatch gets crazier every year. I can prove Atlantis exists. I'm sure of it this time. Milo James Thatch. I'm acting on behalf of my employer who has a most intriguing proposition for you. It's the Shepherd's Journal. This journal is the key to finding the lost continent of Atlantis. I'll never believe you. I will find Atlantis on my own. I mean, if I have to rent a rowboat, 
This is exactly what I wanted to hear. But forget the rowboat, son. We'll travel in style. You're gonna need a crew. Yes, Mr. Thatch. Well, you'll need engineers and, and geologists. Got them all. The best of the best. Gaetan Moliere, geology and excavation. Audrey Ramirez, don't let her age fool you. The name's Sweet, Joshua Sweet, medical officer. Vincenzo Santorini, demolitions. Hey, look, I made a bridge. Lieutenant, yeah. take her down. Diving officer, submerge the ship. Dive, dive! Like all our chances for survival rest with you, Mr. Thatch. You and that little book. So let's my Hi there, this is Claudia Christian, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Got a whale of a tale to tell you, lads, a whale of a tale or two, about the flapping fish and the girls I've loved, on nights like this with the moon above. A whale of a tale, and it's all true, I swear by my tattoo. There was Mermaid Minnie, met her down in Madagascar. She would kiss me any time that I would ask her. Then one evening, her flame of love blew out. Blow me down and pick me up, she swapped me for a trout. Got a whale of a tale to tell you lads, a whale of a tale or two, about the flapping fish and the girls I've loved, on nights like this with the moon above, a whale of a tale and it's all true, I swear by my tattoo, there was Typhoon Tessie, met her on the coast of Java, when we kissed I bubbled up like molten lava, then she gave me the scare of my young life. Blow me down and pick me up, she was the captain's wife. Got a whale of a tale to tell you lads, a whale of a tale or two, about the flapping fish and the girls I've loved, on nights like this with the moon above, a whale of a tale and it's all true, I swear by my tattoo, there was Harpoon Hannah. Had a look that spelled out danger, my heart quivered When she whispered, hi there stranger Bought her trinkets that sailors can't afford When I spent my last red cent, she tossed me overboard Got a whale of a tale to tell you lads A whale of a tale or two About the flapping fish and the girls I've loved On nights like this with a moon above A whale of a tale and it's all true I swear by my tattoo
Hey, D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand. Wow, it's dark in here. Wow, and now it's Finally, too bright. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. Kari, Kari McKean. It's like Kari only with a K instead of a C and an A instead of an E and only one R and an I instead of an I. It's Disney On Demand. Well, it started out like any normal sitting gig, you know, with the reassuring of the parent and all. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. I just wish I could forget the whole thing. You will, kid. You will. All right, all of you D-heads, I am back, and I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 81 for the week of July 24th, 2014, as we're going deep into the depths of the ocean and looking for that lost city of Atlantis as we're welcoming the one and only Claudia Christian here at the show. Yes, from Atlantis to Lost Empire, as she was Helga Sinclair, as well as Babylon 5 and many other classics, and Claudia's going to be stopping in here very shortly here at the show. Now, before I kick off news here hot off the D-wire, and let me tell you, we have a ton of it. I do want to give you a heads up, all of you D-heads. Facebook decided to give us some issues here this last week, and now you can go ahead and friend me directly on Facebook. So I'm going to give you all those different ways that you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand, and please note some of our Facebook URLs. So first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our complete backlog of all of our archives, the latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. And you can friend me directly on Facebook at Facebook.com slash John Diz. That's J-O-N. D-I-Z, and you can friend me right there on Facebook as well. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, or Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. So those are all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. You can also find all these links of the social media right there on our official website at DizRadio.com and many other places. And remember, in addition to liking us on Facebook at Disney On Demand, you can also friend me directly at facebook.com slash John Diz, J-O-N-D-I-Z. So with that said, all VD heads, there is tons of news hot off the D-wire, so let's just start by kicking it off with Teen Beach Movie 2. Yes, let's start off with some Disney Channel news, and how about Teen Beach Movie 2 is in production right now. Yes, it is time to head back to the beach, and the Disney Channel has just announced that they are busy at work with a follow-up to Teen Beach Movie with Teen Beach Movie 2. It is filming currently in production, and the upcoming musical is set to start within a month with an expected release date of 2015. Now, the original movie was the second highest TV movie of all time, so it's a no-brainer that Disney would want to capitalize on the success, making this a second one. Yes, the highest grossing TV movie viewed of all time. You heard me right. And they are happy to announce that all the surfers and biker fans are back once again, reprising their roles. You have Ross Lynch, Maya Mitchell, and Garrett Clayton. Now, TV Line is reporting that also set to hit the surf in the sun are stars like Grace Phillips, John DeLuca, Jordan Fisher, Chrissy Fitt, Molly Gray, Jessica Lee Keller, Will Loftus, and Kent Boyd are all joining the cast as well. Now, Hollywood Life was told in 2013 about a possible sequel by director Jeffrey Hornaday. As he has stated, if they feel like they have a story that's worth telling, we'll put it all together and put all the energy and support behind it. Well, it seems that Disney has found those writers and found that story to make it happen. So now, with all the news on the horizon, it is currently filming in production 
with a release date of 2015. So if you are a fan of Team Beach Movie or you have a child, a tween, or like I said, even yourself, we're all Disney fans here, you can gear up for Team Beach Movie 2 to be hitting very soon. Now since we are talking about the Disney Channel, let's keep on with some Disney Channel news. And how about how to build a better boy? Yes, the Disney Channel is now proving that they have a variety of different great original films that they keep putting as the Disney Channel original films. Now the newest original film, How to Build a Better Boy, is debuting on Friday, August 15th at 8pm Eastern Standard Time. Now this story is a great little spin-off. I would like to call it a spin-off of an earlier Disney film called Not Quite Human. Look it up, D-Heads, if uh, you're wondering what I'm referring to. But it's a futuristic film that features recording artist China Ann McLean from Ant Farm and Disney XD's Kelly Bernglud from Lab Rats as a tech-savvy high school sophomores who design the perfect boy with a computer program and in the process trigger a national incident. Now, the adventure comedy is part of an all-new night of exciting premieres beginning at 7 p.m. on August 15th with a brand new episode of Girl Meets World and Jesse to kick things off. Now for best friends, straight A students Gabby Harrison, played by McLean, and May Hartley, being smart comes naturally but being popular is a whole other story. So when the girls get caught up in a little white lie about May's boyfriend Albert who doesn't actually exist, the two come up with a plan to create the perfect boyfriend using design software belonging to her father. However, when Albert comes to life, an advanced robotic soldier, the girls soon learn that May's father works for a top secret military branch and now in pursuit of Gabby and May as well as Albert to ensure he doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Now this is much like the Not Quite Human series that you may recall from the 80s for all of you D-heads, but for all of you youngwoods out there, How to Build a Better Boy is going to hit as a part of Disney's Night of Premieres on August 15th. Now stepping aside from the Disney Channel, let's get into something that I personally am always proud about, and how about veterans? And Disney and the USAA offering Veterans Institute workshops in San Antonio to encourage hiring of military veterans. That's right, the Walt Disney Company and USAA are going to bring Disney's Veterans Institute to San Antonio on August 19th with a day-long seminar designed to inspire companies in the region to build their own veteran hiring programs. Now presented by the USAA, a leading financial service provider for the military community, the San Antonio event is going to build on the success of Disney's inaugural Veterans Institute last November at the Walt Disney World Resort, which attracted more than 500 participants and dignitaries, including First Lady Michelle Obama and Disney Chairman and CEO Robert Iger. Now, attendees will hear from experts from Disney's Heroes Work Here initiative, which hires, trains, and supports former service members, along with government officials, veterans, and nonprofit veteran service organizations who are going to share their experiences as well, the best practices, tips, and more from making a successful transition from the military to civilian workforce. Now, this is a first of several anticipated regional veterans institutes that Disney hopes to bring to select cities around the nation. As Mr. Iger has stated, Disney is extremely proud of the dedicated veterans who work here, and we're pleased to expand our reach of our Veterans Institute with the USAA to help to create career opportunities for even more servicemen and women around the country. Now, as he has also stated, we're always eager to share what we've learned from our successful Heroes Work Here program with other companies looking to hire qualified veterans. Now, in addition to serving military communities' financial needs, the USAA is also a leader in veteran and military spouse hiring. They also help out with hiring spouses of military vets. Now, currently, they have helped over 8,700 veterans and military spouses from 2006 all the way through June of 2014. 
Now, the Veterans Institute is the latest effort in Disney's long history of respect and appreciation for the U.S. Armed Services, and it leverages the success of Heroes Work Here, which Disney launched in 2012 with a commitment to hire more than 1,000 veterans by 2015, a goal the company has already surpassed with more than 3,800 former servicemen hired. So now if you want to get involved with this on August 19th in San Antonio, Texas, the Walt Disney Company and USAA is going to bring the Disney Veterans Institute to San Antonio. I, for one, think this is a fantastic program because, let's face it, I would not be here talking to you right now, D-Heads, if it wasn't for our servicemen and women protecting our country and keeping America free. Fantastic initiative, and I, for one, am all for it. Now, stepping aside from veterans, let's get to the parks. Yes, all of you Disney fans out there always want to get to the parks, and how about some rumors that were getting spread around this week? Yes, the Walt Disney World Soarin' is going to get an international makeover and a third theater. Well, that's what the rumors are saying. The Soarin' attraction at the Walt Disney World Resort's Epcot is soon to be the subject of a major makeover. Yes, according to a variety of new reports, Disney is preparing to replace the ride's current film, which is basically a counterpart to the California Adventure version that focuses on the state of California, is going to become a new internationally focused film. Now called Soarin' Over the Horizon or Soarin' Over the World, Disney has not officially said that that is going to be the name. The footage is expected to include U.S. landmarks like New York City, the Grand Canyon, and Walt Disney World, as well as highlights from countries like England, France, Italy, Egypt, India, China, and Japan. Now, the new HD footage is expected to accompany by a new soundtrack as well as other special effects that have made Soren so popular to this date, like wind and a variety of different scents. Now, the new film is a logical step given how popular the California Focus version was. It was never really a good fit for the Florida Park, despite its popularity. I mean, come on, we're in Florida. Now, Disney is also expected to begin construction sometime later this year on a third theater for Soren which would make sense given the ride is one of the longest wait times in all of Epcot. Along with test tracks, Soren usually has about 120 minute wait, and the standby line usually runs out of fast passes early on in the day. Now the grand reopening of Soren with the third theater is rumored to happen in 2016. Now it's unclear if Disney is going to be forced to shut down the ride completely while working on the upgrades, and it is also rumored that the California Adventure version is going to stay exactly as it is. I, for one, I love Soren. It's a great attraction. It's definitely fun. We all love it. And I don't know. I think it'll be a good fit. I would love to see something new that encompasses, I guess, the worldly people that always show up at the Walt Disney World Resort. Seems like a logical step. Now, pushing right along here, let's get into some gaming. And I know a variety of you D-heads out there are gamers, or you have kids that are gamers, and everybody loves Disney Infinity. Everybody is all stoked about this, and the Marvel superheroes. Well, how about Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy playset is coming to Disney Infinity as part of the Marvel superheroes in the 2.0 edition. Yes, yes, Marvel's big blockbuster film that is coming to theaters very soon is coming to Disney Infinity. This week, Disney Interactive officially announced the latest playset for Disney Infinity, Marvel's Superheroes 2.0, is going to be the Guardians of the Galaxy, inspired by the upcoming film, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, hitting theaters on August 1st. Now, the Guardians of the Galaxy playset follows Star-Lord and his fellow Guardians as they arrive at nowhere, having just stolen a powerful cosmic object from the villainous Ronan the Accuser. 
as they race to protect Nowhere from Ronin and his attacking fleet while keeping their newly liberated item safe from the villain's evil grasp. Now they're going to have a variety of different playable characters including Star-Lord, Rocket the Raccoon, Drax, Gamora, and Groot, as well as some crossover characters like Iron Man from the Avengers and Nova from the Spider-Man playset. Now mission givers will also include Cosmo, the Collector, and Yondu. Now Star-Lord, Rocket Raccoon, Drax, Gamora, and Groot will also be playable in the all-new Toy Box 2.0 along with all the characters previously released from Disney Infinity. Now players will be able to use these characters plus hundreds of Marvel and Disney themed items, locations, props, and vehicles. There's going to be a variety of different ones that they do have. Now in addition, there is also going to be a Guardians of the Galaxy themed power discs that's going to enable players to customize their playset and toy boxes in exclusive experiences. Now the power discs are going to include the space armor, where you can unlock Gamora's out of this world space armor's costume and set. They're going to have the Marvel team up, Yondu, yes, fight alongside this powerful arrow shooting ally and send enemies running for their lives. There's Groot's Roots, Groot's View, and Star-Lord's Galaxy, where you can turn your toy box into nowhere with Star-Lord's home base in the galaxy. And the Rip, you can turn your toy box skies into the skies of nowhere with the power disc and transport yourself into the outer edge of all space and time. Now, the Guardians of the Galaxy playset will be available in retail stores coming this fall, and additional characters will be announced in the coming months. Now, Disney Infinity Marvel Super Heroes is being developed by Avalanche Software and is rated E to 10 plus. So all of you D-heads, Guardians of the Galaxy and Wii Infinity, I know I am all about this one. Now pushing right along, let's get back to the small screen and Toy Story. We all love Toy Story. You know, we had a variety of different guests passed in our shows here, like John Ratzenberger, as well as John Morris, the voice of Andy. Well, how about Disney revealing an all-new Toy Story That Time Forgot poster? That's right, this last Tuesday, D23, the official Disney fan website, revealed the poster artwork for the upcoming Disney Pixar Network television film, Toy Story That Time Forgot. Now this is one that is following the great Toy Story of Terror Short that we got for Halloween last year. Now according to D23, the special will take place during a post-Christmas play date when the Toy Story toys find themselves mixed up with a set of dinosaur action figures who turn out to be dangerously delusional. Now Trixie, the Triceratops, must save the Toy Story gang and help them return safely to Bonnie's room. Now the cast does once again reprise their roles of Toy Story that time forgot, including returning stars such as Tom Hanks as Woody, Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear, Kristen Schaal as Trixie, Wallace Shawn as Rex, Timothy Dalton as Mr. Pricklepants, Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head, and Joan Cusack as Jesse. Now there is going to be a new character, Reptilius Maximus, and he's going to be voiced by Grey's Anatomy, Kevin McKidd. Now this will be McKidd's first foray into animation. Prior to this, McKid provided voiceover work for video games such as Grand Theft Auto Vice City as well as Captain John in Call of Duty Modern Warfare Parts 2 and 3. Now this is the second holiday themed television special from Disney and Pixar that they have produced as I mentioned with the Toy Story of Terror that debuted on October 16th of 2013. Now the Toy Story that Time Forgot is set to air on ABC during the Christmas holiday season and the new special will be directed by Steve Purcell and produced by Gallen Seussman. I for one am excited for this. It's a great way to keep Toy Story alive. I mean Seriously, without putting in a new installment of the movies and things like that, why tarnish it with a Toy Story 4 when you can have a variety of these specials that will carry on the legacy? I think it's a fantastic way to keep the stories going with Bonnie, and it just brings something fun. I mean, holiday specials are just always a blast. So I'm excited for this one, the Toy Story that time forgot. 
So all of you D-heads, there is a ton of news on the D-Wire here this week. I mean, just tons of news. We got a lot from the D-Team. So I'm going to give you one more bit of news before I take a break myself here and, you know, get myself uh, some water here in the studio and just release the reins to the D-Team before I get through more of this news here. I mean, there's a ton of news here this week. But how about Disney slating another unknown Marvel film for 2018? Yes, Disney has now added one more mysterious Marvel film to their to-be-released list. Now, this is a list that continues to grow, and the studio announced that the new Marvel untitled film would hit theaters in 2018's summer season. Now, this is all according to Deadline.com, who is reporting this. Now, earlier, Marvel.com had declared release dates for five unknown superhero projects, of which two films are set to open in 2017, and two in 2018, and one in 2019. Now, with this addition, the studio has now booked their calendar for half of a dozen films yes there is just seriously there is a ton and now six of them on the horizon i mean we're we're going to be seeing a lot of marvel i just hope disney can keep knocking them out of the ballpark so all of you d heads with that said i'm going to release the reins to the d team you have questions he has answers and aaron is going to dip his hand in that virtual mailbag and answer all your questions with i want to know we also have what's going on this week down at the walt disney world resort with wdw and two with caitlin stopping in here as well and we also have Nathan. Yes, he's stopping in with This Week in Disney History, as he's going to give you everything that's going on within the company's history this week. So, all of you D-Eds, I'm going to release the reins to the D-Team. I'm going to get a drink of water here in the studio, and uh, I'll be back with some more news shortly. But for now, let's release the reins to the D-Team and continue on our deep, dark search for Atlantis, the Lost Empire, as we have the one and only, the beautiful Claudia Christian stopping in here very shortly here at the show. Be right back, OVD heads. Take it away, team. Come out, moon. Come out, wishing star. Come out, come out. Wherever you are. Come out here in the dark, all alone and wide awake. Come and find me. I'm empty and I'm cold And my heart's about to break Come and find me I need you to come here and find me Cause without you I'm totally lost I've hung a wish on every star It hasn't done much good so far I can only dream of you I'll hear you laugh, I'll see you smile, I'll be with you just for a while. But when the morning comes and the sun begins to rise, I will lose you. Because it's just a dream, when I open up my eyes, I will lose you. used to believe in forever, but forever's too good to be true. I've hung a wish on every star, it hasn't done much good so far. I don't know what else to do, except to try to dream of you, and wonder 
of your dreaming too Wherever you Everybody out there, this is Jim Cummings, and you're going, who is that guy? Well, I'm the masked voice behind, oh, I don't know, Winnie the Pooh, Tigger 2, Darkwing Duck, and a few others, and you are listening to Disney On Demand. But you knew that. Cooper, and their dealings with stressed envelope to Davis and Kurt. Right down that. Hands to the launch bay. To whoever took the L from the motor pool sign, ha ha, we are all very amused. Excuse me, I need to uh, report in. Yes, Mr. Thatch. Uh, uh, it's you. Blondie, I got a bone to pick with you. Hold that thought. What is it this time, Cookie? You done stuffed my wagon full to busting with non-essentials. Look at all this. Cinnamon, oregano, cilantro. What not, cockadoodle? Cilantro. What is this? That would be lettuce. Lettuce? Lettuce? It's a vegetable cookie. The men need the four basic food groups. I got you four basic food groups. Beans, bacon, whiskey, and lard. All right, cowboy, pack it up and move it out. Attention, all hands to the launch bay. Final loading in progress. Hi there, it's Caitlin here with WDWN2, a quick rundown of what's happening in the parks. And boy, am I glad to be back for my summer hiatus. While I've been gone, Frozen has taken over Hollywood Studios. From ice skating at Wandering Oaken's trading post to daily promenades and sing-alongs, Anna and Elsa are ruling over the studios with a fun-loving grace. Speaking of Frozen, next time you're in Epcot, be sure to listen to the Voices of Liberty in the American Adventure Pavilion. This week they added Let It Go to their repertoire of songs, along with a few other crowd favorites you won't want to miss. In other Epcot news, beginning at 7 a.m. on July 31st, guests can begin booking reservations for the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival special events. While there's plenty to enjoy with regular admission, these brand new separate ticket events are sure to sell out quick. Among the new offerings are Food Through the Decades, a tribute to Walt Disney, Experience Puerto Rico, the All-Star Island, Food for Thought, and some delicious truffle and wine pairings. Check out EpcotFoodFestival.com for more information on these premium events. It was also announced this week that all active duty and retired U.S. military personnel are eligible for brand new special ticket prices and accommodations at Walt Disney World and Disneyland. For more detailed information, head to DisneyMilitaryOffers.com or call 407-939-7830. This last bit of news is sure to please all the foodies out there. Disney's Boardwalk has a new Italian-style restaurant opening this December called Trattorio Al Forno. With its Neapolitan-style pizzas, handcrafted mozzarella, and other old-world dishes, it's sure to be a big hit. Reservations will be accepted in the next several weeks. Thanks for listening, and until next time, don't forget, 
you can fly. Hey, D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand, a new kind of Disney show, only on DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. questions we have answers let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in i want to know hey d-head this is aaron and i'm back with another installment of i want to know the weather's been great here in arkansas this week with highs in the low 70s it was truly enjoyable well i have an add-on to one of last week's questions allison asked about mickey's birthday i told all you d-heads about mickey's 60th birthday Well, Jonathan looked in his vast LP collection and found Mickey's 50th birthday. It was recorded and released in 1978 and included the song, I Grew Up on Mickey Mouse. It was also a 90-minute TV special that aired on the wonderful world of Disney. Well, the virtual mailbag is full this week, so let's reach in and see what questions we have. Our first question is from James from South Dakota, and he writes, Aaron of the team, longtime listener of the podcast, My question has to do with the Fox and the Hound. I see that Tim Burton worked on it, but I can rarely find information on to what extent. 
Can you tell me more as a big Burton fan? Rock on. Well, after Burton graduated from Burbank High School, he then attended the California Institute of Arts in Santa Clarita, California to study character animation. As a student, he made the shorts Stock of the Celery Monster and King Octopus. He graduated in 1979. Well, that Stock of the Celery Monster attracted the attention of Walt Disney Productions Animation Department, which offered Burton an animator's apprenticeship at the studio. He worked as an animator, storyboard, storyboard artist, and concept artist on films such as The Fox and the Hound, The Black Cauldron, and Tron. In Fox and the Hound, Tim Burton was the uncredited animator of Vixie, the fox Todd falls in love with, who was voiced by Sandy Duncan. Well, our next question is from Margaret Thaspey, and she writes, Diz Radio, my question is for Aaron of the D-Team. I figured... I would write in and see if you could help me. Back in the 80s, I remember seeing a Mickey Mouse short. It had like a bunch of stop motion Mickeys appearing in like an office or something. I think it was all set to music or something. I can't ever find it and my VHS copy of it from recorded Disney Channel is now ruined. Any help to relive this piece of my childhood would be awesome. Thank you, your faithful listener. Well, the short you're referring to is the 1978 Mouse Mania. That was part of Mickey's 50th TV special. Mike Jitloff created and animated the first stop-motion Mickey Mouse. It featured about a thousand other Disney toys marching around the psychiatrist's office. The music is from the Main Street Electric Parade. The short is now featured on the Disney DVD Mickey Mouse in Living Color Volume 2. Disney didn't allow individual creators to receive credit on TV productions they just thank the many Disney animators for their work. Mike put his name and his partner's name, Devin Cherigino's name on the toys in the final production where it couldn't be edited out. Jitlob also created the inaugural short film that played on the cable TV Disney Channel which featured the animated satellite shaped like Mickey Mouse's head. Mouse Mania can be found on YouTube. Thanks, Jonathan, for the assist on this question. Well, our final question this week is from Theo Maverick of Austin, Texas, and he writes, In Liberty Square at the Magic Kingdom, I see a tree with lanterns in it all the time. What does that mean? Or is it just for Disney decor? Also, the Sleepy Hollow food stand, I just adore their ice cream sandwiches. Do they make their ice cream fresh? Well, across the street from the Hall of Presidents is Disney's version of the Liberty Tree. The original Liberty Tree was located near Boston Common. On August 14, 1765, the Sons of Liberty gathered there to protest the Stamp Act. They concluded their protest by hanging two tax collectors in effigy from its branches. In the years that followed, similar trees all across the colonies were, des were designated Liberty Trees. As it was dangerous to assemble and protest during these trying times, the trees provided a meeting place that gave the appearance of a casual gathering beneath its branches. The trees were often decorated with lanterns and banners. In addition, a pole would be erected within its branches as a signaling device. When a flag was raised, usually a yellow one, the Sons of Liberty knew it was time to meet. Disney's tree sports 13 lanterns, one for each colony. And as far as the ice cream cookie sandwich, you're right, it's delicious. The cookies are freshly made and they are huge. 
It includes a generous scoop of vanilla bean ice cream, but I don't think it's homemade. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads. Coming to theaters spring 1988, Walt Disney Pictures proudly presents... There they are! <laughs> the return of a modern animated classic. I'm a fox. I'm a hound dog. They're two friends sharing adventures. Two friends sharing fun. One, two, copper, you can't speak. Two friends who don't know they're supposed to be enemies. That's the part you gotta worry about. The fox and the hound. Run, John, run. It's an electrifying story only Disney could tell. Holy smoke! Filled with heartwarming tenderness. Copper, he's my best friend. Those days are over. I'm a hunting dog now. Breathtaking suspense. Drag him down, boy! They're after Todd! And foot stomping fun. <laughs> I think I bet my beak. The Fox and the Hound. We will always be friends forever. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another helping of This Week in Disney History. I am Nathan, and ready to take you through another zippity doo dah day's worth of Disney history, so here we go. In 1908, actor Carl Swenson, the voice of Merlin in 1963's Sword in the Stone, is born. In 1924, Disney and sitcom legend Don Knotts is born. His live-action credits include The Apple Dumpling Gang, Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo, Hot Lead and Cold Feet, and The Apple, Dunk- uh, Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again. He also contributed to many animated features for the Disney Company as well. In 1927, the Alice comedy Alice the Whaler is released. Lois Hardwick stars as the fourth and final actress to portray Alice. In 1928, Disney's Sleigh Bells cartoon starring Oswald the Lucky Rabbit is released. In 1937, Paul Collins, the voice of John Darling in 1953's Peter Pan is born. In 1947, actor Albert Brooks, the voice of Marlin in 2003's Finding Nemo, is born. In 1949, Academy Award-winning songwriter Alan Menken is born in New Rochelle, New York. In 1952, legendary comedian Robin Williams, who needs no introduction, is born in Chicago, Illinois. In 1954, construction officially began on Disneyland, and to much amazement, only took one year to build. Talk about dreaming and doing. In 1955, the Candy Palace opens on Disneyland Main Street, as well as Rocket to the Moon and Disneyland's Tomorrowland, presented by TWA. Future, also in 1955, future Disney legend Bill Sully Sullivan begins working at Disneyland as a ticket taker on the Jungle Cruise. After only three years' time, he was promoted and became a part of Disney management. In 1956, also at Disneyland, the Junior Autopia debuts, which is a more child-friendly version of the normal Autopia ride and has better ride vehicles for children. In 1962, Meet Me at Disneyland airs Episode 7, Fun in Frontierland. In 66, 
The New Orleans Square area opens at Disneyland, California. In 67, Irene Bedard is born, who is the speaking voice of Pocahontas in Anchorage, Alaska. In 1968, actress Kristen Chenoweth is born in Oklahoma and loans her voice to Rosetta of Disney Fairies fame. In 1985, Walt Disney's 25th animated feature, The Black Cauldron, is released. In 1986, at a press conference on the Empress Lily at Downtown Disney, Disney CEO Michael Eisner announced a plan for a new edition, Pleasure Island. In 1991, Disney's 100th store opened in Daytona Beach, Florida. In 92, over in Tokyo Disneyland, the Boiler Room Barbecue Restaurant opens officially for business. Also in 92, Selena Gomez, star of Wizards of Waverly Place, is born in New York City. In 1994, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror officially opened on Sunset Boulevard in Disney's MGM Studios. Also in 94, The Lion King is finally released in Japanese theaters. In 1999, the Disney Wonder, Disney's second cruise ship, visits Southampton, England, embarking on her delivery voyage from France, where she was built, on her way to Florida. Also in 99, the first Disney Fast Pass is given out to a guest at Walt Disney World. Also in 99, Disney's Inspector Gadget, starring Matthew Broderick, debuts, and finally in 1999, the 10th Disney Channel original movie, Johnny Tsunami, premieres. In 2002, Disney's Tarzan and Jane released straight to DVD and video. And in 2007, Disney's stage musical The Little Mermaid premiered in Denver, Colorado. Also in 2007, the Pixar story documentary premiered at San Diego Comic-Con, which was written and directed by Leslie Iwerks, who is the granddaughter of Disney legend Oob Iwerks. In 2008, over 5.86 million viewers tuned into the Disney Channel to see the 3D Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus Best of Both Worlds concert. And to wrap up this week, we're going to focus on 2010, which Disney and Target announced the exclusive fashion line Designed, and also today, July 26th, marks the last day of the original Star Tours, running in Disneyland before Star Tours The Adventures Continue takes over with its 4D Star Wars Complete Saga redo. Again, I'm Nathan, and I hope that you enjoyed taking this trip through Disney time and history with me. As always, thanks for making Diz Radio your Disney choice for news and history. Thanks, and see you real soon.
letter is a letter. Now what makes one word or letter any better than any other word or letter? It's the way that you say it. Now a word is like a game, so don't say it, play it. Now here's a word that you can play with, mister. Family fun, cause it's a real tough twist. So you can make up games with words and names. Games will never be the same, cause they always change. Like saying it backwards. I can do it. It's Doshis Aliexpiasic Fragicalarupus. That's Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Until your tongue, until you ear, the word is very delicious And the next half, expialidocious If you say it real loud, it makes you sound precocious And the first half, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious We're all having fun and you don't want to miss this Expialidocious Let's take an undiddly Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. It's Disney On Demand. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, Hellview D-Heads, I am back once again. And if I'm laughing, it's because I'm sitting here in the studio drinking my water and realizing, wow, the D-Team really took the reins for a while. So I got to give props to the D-Team and, you know, definitely drop them a line. Thank you, Aaron, Caitlin, and Nathan for stopping with your segments here this week. You know, just sharing it with all the D-Heads out here. So I am back, all of you D-Heads. Thank you to the D-Team. Remember to connect up with the D-Team on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com, or also on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. Connect up with the D-Team and more. So all of you D-Heads, I am back. It is show number 81 for the week of July 24th, 2014. So many different things on the horizon. We have Claudia Christian from Babylon 5, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, and many other things stopping in here very shortly. We have more from the D-Team stopping in here as well and all kinds of fun. The show is not slowing down. I also have some announcements about our big Summerween show that is coming next week here at Disney On Demand and also some Facebook changes, as I mentioned earlier on here this week. But before I get into all that, let's jump right back into news hot off the D-Wire and how about Disney's Hollywood Studios releasing new details for the Villains Unleashed. Yes, Villains. Who doesn't love a good Disney villain? And now details are taking shape for the Disney's Villains Unleashed, a one-night-only separate ticket event at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Now, Disney previously announced that more than 50 popular and iconic villains are going to take part in the event on August 23rd. Now, this week, the official Disney Parks blog released even more details, including a schedule of the events for the night. Now, things are going to kick off at 8 p.m. with Hades Hangout, a show on the park's main stage in front of the sorcerer's hat. Now, the show is going to be hosted by Hades, Megara, and Pain and Panic of Disney's Hercules. Now, dancers, a DJ, and live music will accompany jokes from the characters throughout the night while other Disney villains roam the streets on Hollywood Boulevard. Now, more villain encounters are going to be available at the Streets of America inside the park, which will be known as the Villain's Dominion for the night. Now, for all of you Star Wars fans, they are going to have Star Wars people there as well, where you can counter the dark side near the Star Tours attraction, like Greedo, Jawas, as well as Darth Vader, Darth Maul, and Boba Fett. Now, one of my favorites, they're going to have Oogie Boogie's Freaky Funhouse Show. I love Nightmare Before Christmas. If any of you D-heads out there are my friend on Facebook or, you know, you're on our fan page, you know I love Nightmare Before Christmas. And now the Nightmare Before Christmas is going to have an all-new stunt show hosted 
by Oogie Boogie. That's right, it's going to be at the Theater of Stars on Sunset Boulevard. Now on Stage 4, the home of legend of Captain Jack Sparrow stage show, it's going to be transformed into a venue where you can meet the baddie from the Pirates films with Hector Barbosa being there as well. Now guests can also take steps even further with the villain's extreme makeover with complimentary face painting stations around Echo Lake. They're also going to have a special phantasmic show where they're going to have a variety of different people appearing as part of the pre-show. They're also going to have villainy in the sky and many other things. Now the show is going to begin when Hades summons a live action version of Maleficent based on Angelina Jolie's character of the film to the stage. I don't know about that still. I would rather see the classic vintage Maleficent, not the one from the film. But now festivities will continue until 1 a.m. Now this is a hard ticket event. It is kicking off on August 23rd and ending on August 24th at 1 a.m. Now tickets are $67 for adults and $62 for children's ages three to nine. Now moving right along, let's get away from the parks and how about back to films? And since we were talking about Barbosa from Pirates of the Caribbean and last week somebody lost their fingers on the attraction, let's just keep it going with Pirates of the Caribbean 5. Yes, this has been long rumored for quite some time, but now a date has been released for July of 2017. That's right, Disney has now officially confirmed this week that the new release date for the latest sequel in the money-making franchise Pirates of the Caribbean is going to be released in July of 2017. Now, although the fourth movie on Stranger Tides performed the worst of all the four films, it still made over $200 million at the U.S. box office and justifies another sequel. $200 million is nothing to bat your eyes at. And many fans have begun losing interest because it has been so long. But initially titled Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, this fifth installment in the franchise is now going to be released on July 7th, 2017. It's the same opening weekend as the first two films released in 03 and 06. Now it's still three years away, but now there is an official release date, and now we know that something's going to happen. Now it was officially released as well on their official Twitter feeds, so let's see Pirates of the Caribbean 5. Hopefully they can recapture that magic and uh, keep Jeff, Jack Sparrow alive. I mean, everybody loves Jack Sparrow. I mean, it doesn't have to make millions and millions of dollars. Look at the Disney classics. People just love them. Now, moving away from all the parks and the movies and the films, let's get to something I love in museums. And how about the Disney exhibit at the Museum of Science and Industry to stay throughout the year? Yes, the Museum of Science and Industry has extended treasures of the Walt Disney Archives exhibit for another five months due to the popular demand. Now, the exhibit of over 300 artifacts from the Walt Disney's career making animated films and opening theme parks is now going to run through January 4th. And this is a fantastic exhibit. I had a chance to drive down there in Chicago since I'm only about two and a half hours away from Chicago here at the studios. It's a great exhibit. I love it. Now, the traveling exhibit, which opened in October, was originally supposed to close in May, but has now twice extended its run in Chicago due to its popularity with visitors to the museum at 5700 Lakeshore Drive. Now, the exhibit was extended through August 3rd and now until January 4th. Now, Treasures of the Walt Disney Archives is not included with general admission to the museum. It requires an additional pass and fee that you're going to have to purchase. But let me tell you, if you have a chance to get there, get to Chicago, it is one that you do not want to miss. 
Now moving right along, let's get into Downtown Disney. And everybody loves Downtown Disney. I remember when it was the Disney Village and many other things. And now coming up, it's going to be Disney Springs. And now Disney Springs has now released official renderings for the Downtown Disney transformation. That's right. This week, Disney released renderings this last Wednesday of the expansion and transformation that is going to change Downtown Disney into Disney Springs. Now Disney Springs is the largest expansion in Downtown Disney history, and it will double the amount of dining and and retail shops in the area according to the Disney official blog. Now the area's transformation will be ongoing until 2016. Now the first phase is called the landing and is set to open in 2015. Now the landing will offer a new lakefront shopping and dining options to guests. Now not only is the area's amenities growing, roads are going to expand as well. The growing area will expand its roadways to provide easier access to downtown Disney and Lake Buena Vista Drive will now be widened from 7 to 10 lanes. Now Disney is also constructing two garages that are going to offer over 4,000 parking spaces. That is something that is needed. I mean seriously, the parking at downtown Disney is just ridiculous. Now, two pedestrian bridges are also planned that will help guests into Disney Springs near the current Marketplace side, while other areas are going to access through the west side, through the west side, Disney's blog has reported. Now, Disney is also planning an I-4 interchange that will provide guests with an easy route to the Disney Springs. So this is just some of the newest things, newest phase to open next year and to be fully completed in 2016. If you want to see the newest renderings, you can check them out on Disney's official website at the Disney Parks blog. Now let's move from things that you watch and experience that way, and how about getting into books? And how about award-winning book narrator Renee Rodman bringing Disney's Tangled to life as an audio book? That's right, Tangled, Disney's 2010 blockbuster hit based on the Rapunzel story is finally available in an audiobook form by renowned award-winning narrator Renee Rodman. Now Disney released Tangled, the junior novel in 2010 in conjunction with the premiere of the feature film. Now, the original film earned over $600 million and an Oscar for Best Original Song in 2010. Now, children of all ages, with the help of Rodman's classic and enthralling voice, can relive the exciting and enchanting story of a young, vibrant girl who discovers her own magic and path. Now, Renee Rodman has made a career out of captivating people with her voice and bringing them into a world she has created that extends beyond the author's words and recently featured in L.A. as part of Los Angeles Magazine's Best of LA issue. She has recorded over 300 titles with Tangled being one of her most cherished. Her welcoming and lyrical voices are going to enchant listeners and tell these stories in a new and in fun way. As Rodman has stated, when I was asked to record Disney's Tangled audiobook, I was over the moon. I have a three-year-old precious niece who loved the movie and I've watched it with her several times. For me, recording Tangled was very personal and meaningful opportunity. It was also nerve-wracking in a variety of different ways. I mean, giving a voice to something so iconic both personally and universally is pretty scary. If you want to find out more about this or purchase it, you can find it at the blackstonelibrary.com slash tangled. Now, continuing on with news here, let's get back to the Walt Disney World Resort one more time. And how about Disney World removing the standby line for Anna and Elsa? That's right, you heard me correct. Everybody knows that it has been an ungodly wait for Anna and Elsa at the Walt Disney World Resort. Now, beginning Wednesday, July 23rd, Disney began testing an all-new standby system for entry to Anna and Elsa meet-and-greet at the Princess Fairytale Hall in Fantasyland at the Magic Kingdom. 
Now, the massive popularity of the hit Disney movie film Frozen has spilled into the Walt Disney World Resort part lines, as meeting Anna and Elsa has topped at over 300 minutes many times, and this is a regular occurrence at the Princess Fairy Tale Hall since May of 2014. Now, Fast Pass Reservations is just going off the charts as well. So now what they're going to have is Fast Pass Reservations you can get in advance through My Disney Experience. They fill up very fast, leaving guests frustrated when they want to meet their favorite princesses from the newest film. Now, starting at the park opening at 9 a.m. this last Wednesday, cast members would allow guests to fill the standby line to its capacity, which is the shield just outside the hall. Now, once full, the line to Anna and Elsa will be considered closed. Now, guests who arrive after the line has been filled will be directed to the Magic Kingdom Park support at the other side of the courtyard carousel. Now, each guest will receive a pass with a comeback time on it first-come, first-served basis. Now, the comeback time printed on each ticket will have a 30-minute window in which to return and enter the standby line to see Anna and Elsa. Now, once a guest has come back to the fairy tale Princess Hall and enters the line, Disney expects the maximum wait time to be about 30 minutes. Now, this is a new way to alleviate guests and all the different long wait times, and I think it's a great one. I mean, especially because it gives Disney an out, too. I mean, once you hand out so many, you can say, we're out for the day. There's not going to be a time to meet them anymore today. And I think it's a good way to keep it under wraps because people have just been pushing and shoving and it's just been just ridiculous for this. And I think this is a great method that Disney is going to use and hopefully it works out and they carry it over into the next couple of months as well. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm going to wrap up news here this week. There's tons of things on the horizon. But first, I want to let you know that next week, July 31st, is Summerween. Yes, forget Christmas in July. We are celebrating Summerween here at Disney On Demand, and we want you to record your Halloween memories. Share them with us here at the show. Let us know what your favorite Halloween memory is. Call it into the Magical Memories Hotline. You can find that number right there on our website at DizRadio.com. Call it in and hear yourself on our Summerween show. Now, also, D-Heads, you heard me mention earlier on in the show about Facebook. Well, if you are our friend on Facebook, now you can friend me directly. So you can like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. I encourage you to go there, stay connected with the show. And now you can also friend me directly at Facebook.com slash John Diz, J-O-N-D-I-Z. And there you can friend us directly as well and connect up on a daily basis. So definitely take those two outlets and connect up with us on Facebook with both of those venues. So all of you D-Heads, we have more from the D-Team. We're getting ready for the beautiful and glorious Claudia Christian to stop here at the show, Helga Sinclair from Atlantis to Lost Empire, as well as Babylon 5 and many other things. And with the passing of the great James Garner here this week, it seemed fitting to have Claudia stop in and talk about Atlantis, who she co-starred with, James Garner, in that animated film as well. So I'm going to release the reins to the D-Team here. We have Paige back with the Magical Music Review, and she's going to go deep into the depths of the lost city of Atlantis and the monumental score that encompasses it as well. And we also have Lexi, our D-Team member from Down Under, and she's going to give you a little bit more about our special guest here this week, Claudia Christian, as she takes this week's Hollywood Walk. And later on in the show... You also have Jason with the vault, and uh, when I come back, you're going to have the one and only Claudia Christian here in the studio with us. Be right back, all VD heads, and take it away, team. Atlantis is waiting. The kings of our past. I know what you seek. Perhaps we can save our future. 
Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Coming to theaters June 15th. Oh, my siestas are getting shorter and shorter. EC-82 Hey gang, it's me again, Jason. Welcome down here to the vault. We're going to delve even deeper this week as we welcome Claudia Christian here in the studio. Claudia, the greatest voice in, well, a great cast in a movie that unfortunately didn't get the praise and the props that it probably should for the innovations that it has done for Disney animation. What movie is this? Well, Claudia lent her voice to a 2001 movie that we all know as Atlantis, The Lost Empire. And therefore, we're going to strap on our adventurer's shoes and head back to 1914, or shall we say 2001, as we join Milo and the gang to search for Atlantis, The Lost Empire. What makes Atlantis such a different movie and such a departure from the 40 animated features before it is not just because of the heavy reliance of CGI, but the shift in story and, shall we say, target. Atlantis is a dark and brooding period piece, so to speak, of a ragtag group of adventurers and explorers of the 20th century. You start out with Smithsonian linguist Milo Thatched, voiced by the ever-talented Michael J. Fox. The military commander, Commander Rourke, played by the late, great James Garner. Our new D-head and no-nonsense femme fatale, Helga Sinclair, played by the ever-wonderful Claudia Christian. Demolition expert Vinny, by Don Novello. Medical expert Joshua Sweet, by Philip Morris. The lovable yet fun yet very frightening French geologist Mole, played by uh, Corey Burton. The mechanic Audrey, by Jacqueline Obrador's. Communication specialist Miss Packard, by Florence Stanley. Jack of all trades and master of nothing but a good smile cookie, played by once again the late great Jim Varney, who incidentally, this was his last film. These great adventurers set out not only because they are assembled due to some money given by millionaire Preston B. Wentmore, played by John Mahoney, Milo discovers a book that may or may not be the map that leads them to the great city of Atlantis. Mr. Whitmore believes that he can find it with these people and of course gives him the money to them the money to do so. Diving deep down, the team soon discovers the city, but nothing, and I say nothing, goes according to plan. And soon Milo discovers there is more to Atlantis than the beautiful city, but there are survivors still there. Among them, the beautiful Princess Kida, played by Cree Summers. And, of course, her father, voiced by the ever-god of sci-fi, Leonard Nimoy. You pile all that and you f are forced with one unseen enemy. You've got a great science fiction adventure only inspired by Jules Verne that could be a pure Disney classic. Well, as I said, this movie wasn't met with the highest of praise because one, 
it shifted focus. It no longer featured music that you could sing along to, and it didn't feature a true focus. Was this an adventure movie? Was this solely a movie for boys? Was this a princess movie featuring Kida? Where did this go? You compile that with some great animation, still in the hand-drawn state, by a comic book legend. Again, shifting that from a traditional Disney drawing standpoint to more of a comic book slash manga kind of look. On top of it being a sci-fi animated feature, this is where you compile it to create Atlantis. I, for one, find it a very fun movie. It was a daring adventure for them to take as much hand-drawn and use as much CG as they could without making it one or the other. The effects within it are amazing. And the story, where it does not come from a true storybook, it is truly inspired by the works of Jules Verne. And you can see that throughout the entire film. And whereas I could gush more and more about this, we were very fortunate to have, just this year, the Blu-ray release in a two-movie pack. What a great way to have both the original and its made-for-DVD sequel. See, Disney did have some high hopes for this film, as they always do with any of their films. Believe it or not, a television sequel was still in the works, as well as an attraction featured in Disneyland. From what I remember reading about it, and what I still hear from time to time, is that attraction was to be phenomenal, with featuring water, air, and a lot of fire. If I'm not mistaken as well, most of those elements have been transferred over to Tokyo Seas into the Journey to the Center of the Earth attraction. Not everything, but a lot of it. But we're here in the vault to discuss the film, and of course, like I said, the two-pack did recently come out. The quality coming from this movie into a Blu-ray is great. I'm glad it has finally happened, and of course the sequel joining it does make for a fine, well-rounded experience. So not only, of course, are you going to get both films, and as you know, in most of the direct-to-DVD sequels, they weren't to the same caliber, but still held up. Again, more hand-drawn, less CG, more story focusing on other things and not necessarily about what you would have seen within the film. What are you going to get extra-wise when you get this Blu-ray? Well, of course, you will get the audio commentary from Don Hahn and Gary Truesdale to give you the idea of what was going on in their head throughout the development of this fine film, from the character development, the animation style, even to the point of what was driving them to create this film. In uh, standard definition, you will receive the making of Atlantis. It's about an hour long. There's about 16, I will say about 16 minutes of deleted scenes. Believe it or not, Milo's return even includes a deleted scene. One, but it is still something there for them. As I say how unique this movie is, one of the parts that makes it so unique is that they actually did create their own language for the Atlanteans. And so, for about two minutes, you too, in a special feature, can learn to speak Atlantean. A little fact versus fiction when it comes to Atlantis in a fact or fiction extra. And of course, the theatrical trailers for the film. All three of them, actually. So it's a jam-packed Blu-ray. You can't go wrong. And plus, to add the 41st animated feature into your canon in Blu-ray is always a wonderful thing. So in my humble opinion, here down in the vault, Find your own means to have a copy of Atlantis, The Lost Empire. You won't be disappointed. 
It is a bit different, as I said, from many of the other Disney classics. But that's what's so great about Disney classics. Each one has a special meaning in our hearts. So, as always, gang, it's time to say goodbye to you and all my company. So, again, find a means to watch Atlantis The Lost Empire. Claudia would appreciate it. I would appreciate it. And all we D-heads would appreciate it as well. So, until next time, we're going to file this under fun. And see you next week when we bring out yet another Disney Blu-ray from The Vault. Until next time, gang, remember the magic of Disney movies is always inside. Right down that... We ever hope to find with some crumbling buildings, maybe some broken pottery. Instead, we find a living, thriving society. <laughs> These guys are kind of cute when they're not, you know, formed into a fiery column of death. We are not thriving. True, our people live, but our culture is dying. We are like a stone the ocean beats against. With each passing year, a little more of us is worn away. I wish there was something I could do. I have brought you to this place to ask you for your help. There is a mural here with writing all around the pictures. Yeah, well, you came to the right guy. Okay, let me see. Let's start with this column right here. Uh, well, this, uh, uh, Kita? Uh, <laughs> what are you doing? You do swim, do you not? Oh, I swim pretty girl. Pr- pretty good, pretty good. Good, swim good, pretty good. Start those projectors and look at this week's Hollywood Walk.
Dee Heads. Now this week's special guest is a very special one indeed. With the recent passing of Hollywood legend James Garner, it is appropriate that this week's special guest had worked with him in the past, nonetheless at Disney. So this week we are very lucky to have Claudia Christian here with us. Garner and Claudia were colleagues on a very underrated but great Disney animated film, Atlantis The Lost Empire. Now this film really does deserve much more credit than it gets. In case you are yet to see it, the basic storyline follows a young adventurer, Milo Thatch, who joins explorers on the search to find the mysterious lost Atlantis. And it's safe to say that things don't go smoothly along the way. But as you would expect with a Disney film, there are good guys and bad guys and a lesson about being true to yourself and going for your dreams. What's not to love about that, right? <laughs> also, the animation is beautiful. So in the film, this week's special guest lent her voice to the character Helga. Now she is a strong female character and very important to the story but I won't spoil too much for you, just in case you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> now, for some background information. Claudia is not only a fantastic voice actor, but she often lends her talents to on-screen roles, and is also a singer, a musician, a writer, and she even finds time to direct. Now, most prominently, we can see Claudia as Commander Susan in the science fiction show Babylon 5. So born in California, Claudia has both German and Irish ancestry, and she is from a fairly big family. She has older brothers, who I hear are now genetic engineers and veterinarians. Pretty awesome. She studied in Laguna Beach in California, and what a beautiful part of the world. And Claudia has always loved acting ever since she was five and actually played a Native American in a school play. And Claudia's first on-screen acting role was actually a guest appearance on that much-loved American classic, Dallas. Pretty cool, huh? And after this, she has created a good name for herself in the world of sci-fi films and TV shows. She performed feature film roles such as someone possessed by an alien serial killer in The Hidden back in the 80s, a police department psychologist in Maniac Cop 2, and a model in Hexed back in the 90s. Since then, Claudia has lent her talents to comedy series like Broken News in 2005 and Look! The Series. Also, when she's not on the screen, Claudia is also a great musician. She has a music career that includes a solo album called Once Upon a Time and a single called Taboo, among lots of other things as well. And we can also hear this week's special guest voice in a number of video games, like PlayStation games, including Shrek 2 and another one in called Earth and Beyond. Another place we can see Claudia is in commercials. That's right, this week's special guest has even appeared in an ad for Jaguar. 
And like I mentioned before, this week's special guest has also appeared in such a range of movies. Others from the list include Mad About You, Rise of an Exile, The Writer with No Hands. So there's definitely a lot of skill in this week's special guest, Claudia Christian. And how cool is this? Back in 2006, Claudia moved to London and starred in the BBC series Broken News and many independent films throughout Europe as well. So the list of Claudia's on-screen achievements really does go on and on. I think that Disney has a way of attracting the most dedicated and talented members for their family. <laughs> also, Claudia is fluent in French, Italian, German, and she even enjoys acting in these languages. So just another layer to her versatility. And here's one thing. Claudia has even entered the world of children's stories, which I think is wonderful. She wrote a children's book called The Misadventures of Miss Emma Bradford. So check it out. I think it is safe to say thank you, Claudia Christian. Without you, Disney would definitely not be the same. A 1914 submarine is attacked by a robot lobster in Atlantis, the Lost Empire, the new Disney animated adventure, and I emphasize the word adventure. This is not a musical comedy like Disney usually offers every summer. It's a science fiction thrill ride as a billionaire finances an expedition to find the lost Atlantis. They find it all right, buried inside a volcano on the ocean floor, and Milo, the heroic scientist, falls for Princess Kita of the underwater world. You do swim, do you not? Oh, I swim pretty girl. Pr pretty good, pretty good. Good, swim good, pretty good. I swim pretty good. Good. It is a fair distance to where we are going. The voices there are by Michael J. Fox and Cree Summer. The movie's strong point is its visuals. The world of Atlantis is strikingly imagined as Milo leads the fight to save the lost continent. Half turn right, quarter turn back. Keep your hand on the path. Battle up, partners. Bring jerky and ammo. So Alright, this is it. We're gonna rescue the princess. We're gonna save Atlantis. The earlier scenes in Atlantis have echoes from movies like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and even The Little Mermaid with its heroic princess and stern father. But some of the later sequences are absolutely amazing, including an underwater battle that uses fantastical imagery to create a truly thrilling clash of titans. Atlantis is as close as Disney has come to the style of anime, the Japanese genre of animated action film, and it shows the influence of the great master Miyazaki, whose Princess Mononoke was on my Tim Best list two years ago. Atlantis isn't just for the family audience, but also for action fans. Yeah, I liked it a lot, too, and you're right about the animation. It's very interesting, although it's not like Shrek. It does, it's mm. not one of those realism. It's still a cartoon, mm -hmm. but it's quite advanced from 10 or 15 years ago, and the voiceovers by the actors, I thought, were all uniformly excellent. Yeah, they use a kind of a, uh, a sharp-edged drawing style. Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. the rounded three-dimensional style. It's not quite as sharp-edged as Hercules was, which I thought was a little bit too angular for yeah. me, but it looks like a high-quality comic strip. And exactly. that That's gives exactly an interesting right. quality to the action scenes at the end, mm -hmm. which are like those tumultuous battles in Marvel comics, you know, where 
Titans right. are hurling worlds at each other. And this other has got so some forth. nice sharp edges yeah. to it. Some people get wiped out, and yeah. there are some on-screen deaths, and there are a couple of really funny characters, including that, that old gal who's the switchboard operator who's wisecracking. <laughs> so yeah. o overall, just a terrific and movie. And Don Navallo is the explosive expert. You yeah. Know, I'm going to blow this up. Yeah, right doing right Father now. Guido Sarducci yeah. again. Uh, so there you <laughs> Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, one of those is somebody that you have seen in a variety of different places, whether that's great classics like Dallas or films like Maniac Cop 2, as well as Commander Susan from Babylon 5. You may also know her, all of you Disney fans, as Helga Sinclair in Atlantis, The Lost Empire. We have none other than Claudia Christian here with us. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, it is our pleasure having you on. I mean, somebody of your resume, you know, you've been around for quite some time in terms of television, film, I mean, movies, so many different things that everybody knows your face and voice from. I guess with that, I guess I like to start this the same way all the time. What got you into acting? Gosh, I'm celebrating my 31st year since my first TV series. Um, <laughs> so that's a, that's a long time, 31 years. Um, I started doing theater when I was a kid, and I sort of fell in love with it. I was kind of a quiet kid with three older brothers. I'm the only girl and the youngest, and um, I really had to sort of be invisible because they were so rambunctious. So uh, the only time I felt really comfortable to be outgoing was performing. So I started doing theater when I was about five, and by the time I was 13, I was madly in love with it. And at that point, I was living in Connecticut, and my father got transferred to California. So to me, that was, you know, uh, the, the higher being's uh, sign that I should be an actress because we were moving to California. <laughs> so um, I basically did high school in two years. I graduated at 16, uh, moved to Los Angeles by myself, and pursued my acting career. And I signed with a manager within a year, took acting classes, um, I made enough money modeling and working three jobs um, as a teenager to end up uh, being able to afford my own apartment and everything. It was wonderful. And by the time I was 18, I was on a TV series. So it it it, it worked very well for me. But I have to encourage anybody out there who wants to be uh, an actress or an actor that it doesn't. It, it's not that easy nowadays with the advent of reality series and everything else. It's it's very competitive and very difficult, even for someone with my resume to get work nowadays. It's it's very. I mean, movie stars are doing television, so it's a whole different game now. I was lucky I did it in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> well, definitely, like you said, it is it is a game changer now. I mean, even so much so with music, movies, like you said, actors doing television. Uh, you know, it, it's it's all over the board. But speaking of television, one of those roles that uh, you know I'm sure you get recognized for many many times is Babylon Five and Commander Susan. I guess how did you get that gig? And, you know, all these years later, is that something you still get recognized for? Oh, gosh, yes. Babylon 5, playing Susan Ivanova was uh, was groundbreaking because she really was the first character to portray a strictly um, religious Jewish character uh, in space. And also she was um, – <clears throat> she, she had a lot of other things uh, – you know, helped a lot of little girls want to be the commander and captain. She was very strong. It was a very iconic character. And sci-fi fans are are incredibly loyal. They, they don't stop loving you, even if the show is from 1998. Um, I still get recognized. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And it's also sent me around the world because we have massive fandom in England, Australia, 
um, New Zealand. So, you know, these are people who really deeply appreciate science fiction. And at the time, they thought that the show was cutting edge, whereas in America, it wasn't wasn't as popular. But, um, you know, they they showed us at odd times, and we never really got a good fan following because it was a serialized show. You had to watch it episode by episode. But the hardcore fans are now introducing them to their children and grandchildren. So when I go to, you know, conventions uh, in the middle of nowhere or, you know, someplace exotic, I'll have little kids come up and six years old and they're new fans of the show thanks to DVDs and all that. So it's been it's been wonderful. I would never trade it for anything. It's um, changed my life in a very good way. And I was very proud to play her because she was so well written and such a deep, complex character. It was good television. Very, very well written. Joe Straczynski did a dynamite job. Well, definitely. And like you said, it is the kind of thing where sci-fi fans are very loyal. And it was a serial kind of show. So you did have to watch it. And, uh, you know, with the loyalty of the sci-fi fans and things like that, do you ever get any of those fans that come up and it's just one of those stories or somebody that was just so over the top that you're never going to forget it? Uh, Yeah, actually, I wrote about it in my book uh, that came out in 2012, which was called Babylon Confidential. It's it's sort of a memoir um, that I wrote. And one of the incidents that happened to me was I was actually shot by a guy in a triple suit uh, at a convention um, with a full blank, which is the same type of weapon and bullet that killed John Eric Hexum and Brandon Lee. Um, And he, yeah, he actually shot me. Uh, Luckily, it hit my rib, and I'm not dead, but that would have been a very ironic death. (laughs) Babylon Five Star (laughs) killed by Tribble. Uh, Yeah, it was uh, was quite scary. So believe me, I've never forgotten that incident. And I saw him about a decade later, and uh, boy, it was... Interesting to say the least. He had sort of forgotten that he shot me and that he was dragged through the crowds and arrested and thrown in jail. <laughs> yeah, and he worked for the post office. So hey, you know that there's just so many cliches in that story. It's not even funny. <laughs> well, I, I guess you know, moving on from Babylon Five and other things you've done. Like I said, you've been part of many things. Some that really do have cult fan followings, like the Maniac Cop series, things like that. But of course, for all of our Disney fans, Atlantis: The Lost Empire. Now that to me is a Disney film that is truly underrated. It was cinematic. It was powerful. I guess uh, how did you get approached to do the voice, you know, of uh, Miss Sinclair in that film? And you know, I guess what was your favorite part about being, uh, you know, in the studio for that? Well, I really enjoyed doing uh, Atlantis. I mean, it it, it took. Uh, I always joke that you know every time I went back to do a session, Demi Moore had another kid because she was at the same time doing um, the the movie that she did. Uh, the Hunchback or whatever that was. Um, so every time I went back, she had another baby because <laughs> it took so long to make the film. But I, they approached me. I think they were Babylon 5 fans, actually, because that was in 2000 or 2001, I believe. Um, we started it. Yeah, so they must have... I know that they were Babylon 5 fans and um, and they, uh, they liked my voice and they had me, um, you know, come in. And... The process was was wonderful. They videotape you so that the character ends up having some of your physical movements. Um, they really allowed me to just try, you know, to be all different things and, you know, go bigger, go this, go sexier, go that, you know. Um, everybody, Gary Truesdale, uh, Kirk Wise, Don Pomeroy, Don Hahn, I mean, it, uh, John Pomeroy, excuse me, Don Hahn, they, they just really give you a, an environment where you, you feel very free. They, they're sort of stand, sitting behind this big glass screen and you're in the in this giant booth 
where, you know, iconic Disney films have been recorded. Uh, you know, I was in the Snow White room at one point and, um, you know, it just feels, it feels like you're part of history. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. You never work with the other actors, so I didn't meet them until the actual screening at, at the Chinese Man Theater. Um, you know, years later <laughs> when they had the screening, uh, I finally, finally met, uh, Michael J. Fox and James Garner and, and, uh, Summer Cree and all the other wonderful actors and actresses that were in the film. But, um, at the time you just work alone and they call you in every six months or so and you do another session and you don't really know what the, you don't get the whole script or you don't, you don't really, and they change it quite often. Um, you know, they change up things. But then when I saw the drawing of Helga, I thought, wow, it's like a blonde version of me. Same eyebrows and, you know, very similar, uh, you know, very similar facial structure and similar movements because like I said, they videotape you. So for me, I do a ton of voiceovers. I do, a lot of games. I was in Skyrim and Guild Wars and Shrek and all sorts of stuff. So it's it's always been a, a great joy of mine to do voice work. But let's face it. I mean, if you, you every voice actor's aspiration, I think, is to do a Disney film. So the fact that I got to check that off my bucket list was was pretty huge. Well, definitely. You know, and like you said, you know, get that off your bucket list. Just because you know Disney classics are around forever, and Atlantis is one of those that's going to be you know in the books now. Like you said, you know, you're not actually working with the other actors and things like that. I guess, how different is it doing voice work as opposed to acting on screen? Well, obviously, the, the most obvious difference is you cannot use any physicality. So everything has to be through the voice. So it's slightly heightened. Um, I find voice acting liberating in a way because you're not self-conscious. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how you're dressed, your makeup. You don't need any. You know, it's uh, nobody's touching you. You're completely alone in a booth. And and it really is a, a, it's a terrific brain exercise because the majority of the time when I do um, when I do voiceover jobs, you're not looking at a script. The lines pop up and are highlighted on a screen in front of you. So not only have you never seen it before, they give you a very brief background of what's going on. Sometimes they'll feed you the line before it. But the majority of the time, you're just seeing these, you know, huge chunks of speech that you have to immediately look at, assimilate, pick up, put in your brain, and then perform all in two seconds. And you have to do three different takes of it. So it really is, you know, I can usually do four hours, but six-hour days are, are – it's it's really hard because, you know, you're you're – you're literally going that fast. It's just boom, 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 boom. I mean, it, and it, and then they they'll go back and say, oh, can you do 508 again? We want more growl, or could do you know 312 again? We want you to go uh, inflect up on this particular word, you know. And then they'll correct those, and you move on. But you can do, you know, 60 pages. I mean, just it's it's nonstop, and you're standing on your feet, and you have one break every hour for like a bathroom break, and that's it. You know, it's pretty intense. It's 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 fun. And it's exciting, and it's a rush, but it's very intense. It's not It's not easy, and you really have to be good at picking up lines and cold reading because you have to you don't have any time to prepare. Well, you know, and with that too, you know uh, you know doing cold readings, being there in the booth, um, are there ever any times where you're just letting loose with uh, you know audio that we'll probably never see the light of day just because you know that everyone's joking around and laughing about after the fact? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I, I when I have when I'm asked to do uh, multiple accents, you know, they'll <laughs> recently I did a, a new game um, <laughs> and they said, uh, oh okay, this character 
character is, is sort of like a you know film noir character. I said, oh okay, and I started doing an Indian accent instead. So, <laughs> and I did it for like a whole page, and they were looking at me like I was. In, I said, I'm kidding, guys. You know, they they were laughing, and sometimes I'll improvise uh, lines, and I'll you know I'll use the wrong wrong accents and stuff. But it's it's you don't really have much time to mess around. I'm pretty fast at it, so sometimes I get to play. But um, yeah, they'll they'll say, can you come up with a voice for you know a, a, an ogre and and I'll do something completely wrong, you know, like a, I don't know, a Mexican accent or Russian or something, you know, just to get them lightened up a little bit. But uh, they, I usually get asked to do multiple roles. And I think in Skyrim, I must have done about 10 roles. Um, so it's, you know, you just, they just throw them at you and, and you have to come up with something instantaneously. It's, it is definitely a wonderful workout. It's sort of like going to the gym for acting. <laughs> Well, you know, and with Atlantis, you know, as, uh, you know, like I said, it is a Disney classic. Everybody loves it. When you finally sat back and saw the screening of it and saw the whole film, I guess, what was your first reaction of seeing this completed animated masterpiece, you know, from start to finish? Um, like I said, I think it's, you know, beautifully done. So I guess what was your initial reaction? Well, I, I initially thought this is for adults because it's very dark. It's, it's, it's kind of um, old school animation in a way. Um, I thought it was... I mean, there's there's some lightness, you know, once the princess comes around, but but I thought that it was very dark, and I thought, you know, I don't know if kids are really going to love this. I think it's more of a sort of uh, teenage to adult movie. That's what was my first thought. I didn't think a, a four year old would would get it per se, but I thought it was beautiful. I thought the underwater sequences and I thought the animation was beautiful. I thought the acting was great. I I really, I thought it was a great film. I thought it was, to me, it was almost like a Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of feeling. You know, it just had that mystery and, and um, you know, uh, I thought I thought Michael J. Fox was wonderful as Milo. Um, I, I, did, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, I I was very happy to be part of it when I saw it because it's so you know they're they're just they're just epic you know <laughs> disney films are classic they're just they're epic and you know and they're just beautifully beautifully done and the animation i mean i just i can't even imagine all the work that goes into even one tiny scene it's just staggering and think back in the day when they were all hand drawn I mean, that's just crazy. Pushing uh, pushing aside from Atlantis and things like that, we know you're busy and you have so many different things on the table. I guess you also do a lot of charity work with your C3 Foundation. Would you like to elaborate a little bit more about, you know, that for everybody who's listening in? Yeah, I uh, I started, I, I opened my foundation last year, about a year ago, but I've been working with addicts, um, alcohol-dependent people for the past six years. Um, and my foundation helps people go on a treatment for alcoholism called the Sinclair method. Um, to put it in sort of layman's terms, you take an opiate blocker before you drink, and eventually you just don't want to drink anymore, or you go back to safe drinking levels. So it's really a treatment for people who AA or traditional treatment like rehab failed. Um, you know, those treatments failed the, the individual, and they still want to either control their drinking or quit drinking altogether. This is a pharmacological extinction. It's an actual medical uh, treatment. So, and the, the medication is cheap and um, extremely safe. It's FDA approved, and it made me very angry to think that they weren't offering this in America um, on a regular basis because it is FDA approved and it works. It has a nearly 80% long-term success rate, and all these people are dying. There's a person dying every 10 seconds of alcohol-related causes, and it costs billions of dollars to society. You know, in lost days of work, 
car accidents, medical bills. I mean, it's just such a it's such an uh, an epidemic, and we're not doing anything about it. So I started my foundation to provide free uh, information and to help people find a physician that will help them, and to give them the alternative of order, ordering the medication online, and to make it really like a one stop shopping place where they could find out everything, and I could counsel them for free. And I've been doing that for about six years, and it's really fulfilling. And uh, you know, I'm I'm very proud to say that I've saved thousands of lives, and it's, it feels really, really good. It's you know, I get letters from kids saying, "Wow, I've never seen my mom sober. Thank you." Um, you know, and it's it's just I think everybody in this life has to give back, and I found my niche, and I found something that I'm good at and that I enjoy doing, and it's just much more fulfilling than living a very um, self-centered life, you know, acting is a very self-centered career. Um, and I, and I do write, I have, I have another book coming out next year called Wolf's Empire from Tor, which is a fantasy novel. Um, but you know, I want, I wanted to do something good for society. I wanted to leave my mark and say, wow, I, I helped people. And, and this has been that. So it, it makes me feel great. And, um, you know, I counsel people every week and it's, it's just a good thing. Well, you know, and that's the kind of thing, like you said, it's something that's fulfilling. You're helping people. And like you said, it has to feel good. You know, something like that where you found your niche, you're giving back. And, you know, the biggest part there, you know, I'm a father of four kids, is, you know, you're getting letters from children too. You're helping them kind of reestablish that family connection, which, you know, is just fantastic right there. Well, you know, th- this is the thing is addiction, whether it's drugs or alcohol, I mean, it really affects children a- adversely in such a major way. And, uh, you know, the, the 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 majority of children of addicts become addicts themselves. So what you're really doing is you're stopping it from proliferating and, and, and keep, you know, to going into the next generation. If you can get the parents sober, or at least get you know, get it under control, then they're not going to adversely affect their children as much anymore. Or you know, and also they're going to have a better relationship. They're going to be better parents, and the kids will will you know the children of alcoholics are are, are just a really it's a devastatingly sad group of individuals. It's it, and I've met a lot of them because they feel that the parent is choosing alcohol or drugs over them, and that's not a good feeling. You know, mommy loves wine more than me. That's that's not a good feeling for a child. So yes, I, that's that's one of the biggest, you know, um, joys I get is when when I can help a kid get their parent back. It's really a good feeling. Definitely. Now you know we know you're really busy, lots of things on the horizon. But you know there was one thing I forgot to bring up, and you had sent us a uh, a sketch of Helga from Atlantis. I guess uh, it, that's the one piece of memorabilia that you said you would never part with. I guess uh, why is that? Well, I've been raising money because I made a documentary about the Sinclair Method recently, and we made our first little sale, and I've been trying to raise money because we need like another $10,000 to uh, do the color correction and the sound mix and all that stuff. So I've really sold all of my memorabilia, and I'm, I'm not kidding you when I say, I mean, things that were precious to me, my cast photos from Babylon 5 that were signed by everybody, including those who have passed away. I've signed, I've just gotten rid of everything for my charity, and this is the one thing that's hanging in my office. I only have I have the the cell, uh, the animation cell that they gave me of Helga, um, which they you know is, is just beautiful. It's an actual piece from you know from the from the film, and then they they drew uh, John drew Helga, and then all the guys signed it. So Gary Truesdale signed it, Kirk Wise signed it, um, John Don Hahn. They they all signed it, and they all drew little little 
pictures of themselves sort of talking to me and they wrote little cute things on it for me like hey it was great working with you blah 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 and they gave it to me at the San Diego Comic Con when we all went down there for Atlantis and it's just something that I framed and I have hanging in my office and it's the one thing I I just I won't part with because it's so precious to me those guys were so nice so lovely to work with and I have so many good memories from it so that's one thing I'm hanging on to. I, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna auction that off. That's my one little, little fun thing. When I look up there and I remember those guys and I go, wow, I really had a good time. Well, you know, with that said, you know, thank you for stopping in with us. Do you, uh, I guess in closing, do you have anything else on the horizon? You know, you're really working with your charity, many other things, but are we gonna be able to hear your voice or see your face anywhere else, uh, coming up soon or are we just gonna have to keep our eyes and ears open? Well, I like I said, I'm um, I, I'm probably not supposed to say this, but I just did two major games. One of which was from the producers of Skyrim. Uh, it's their new game. Um, I'm playing a, a few voices in that, and then I also um, World of Warcraft. I'm I just did as well, so I'm in that as well. Uh, IMDb always has a list of the games that I'm in, and as far as acting, um, I just yesterday signed on to play the older Calamity Jane in a film that's going to be uh, made next year. So I'm the Calamity Jane at the end of her career. And then they have another actress playing her as a child and one playing her as a teenager. But I'm the older Calamity Jane, which will be really fun. I love Westerns, so that's fun. And, um, yeah, you know, you catch me on TV once in a while. I just did Castle and Criminal Minds and stuff, uh, you know, so I'm always I'm always doing something. And like I said, I have a big, big epic book coming out um uh, either at the end of this year or in 2015 from Tor, and that's called Wolf's Empire, and it's basically a Rome that never fell. So think of uh, aliens and Romans in space. <laughs> so, so that's uh, and I wrote that with my writing partner Morgan Grant Buchanan, and um, yeah, we're really excited about that. It's book one of four, so it's going to be um, hopefully a really really great read for people who love that kind of big fat epic tales of adventure <laughs> and it's a and it's a and it's a kick kick butt uh female protagonist so much like helga it's uh it's another female lead and she's she's quite uh quite the character so i think people will enjoy it definitely you know you have so many different things on the horizon and like you said you know with a female lead that's nothing uh Nothing you're not used to, you know, with the Babylon 5 as well as, you know, Atlantis, many other things. So I guess in closing, you know, it was great talking with you for all of your fans out there, whether that's all your films, television, Babylon 5, Atlantis. Is there any lasting words you'd like to leave out there for all of your fans listening in? Thank, just thank you for your support over the years. If it wasn't for you, I couldn't have made my documentary, One Little Pill. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have over 117,000 people on Facebook fan page. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have seen the world, uh, you know. And um, and if you, you or any of your loved ones ever have any issues with addiction, go to c3foundation.org, and I'm here to help. And, you know, once again, just thanks for all the loyalty and support over the years. My fans have been unbelievably wonderful. I love them. <laughs> well, thank you once again, Claudia, for stopping in. And, you know, we're definitely going to share your links everywhere with all of our listeners. And it truly was a pleasure having you stop in. And hopefully we can talk again in the future once uh, the book gets released. Wonderful. Send me the links and I'll post them too. And it was lo lovely to talk to you. And I hope you have a great day. Hey, mate, come say the never see with Jake and me and the Neverland Pirate Band. When you got a crew full of pirates, true, so much better than any gold buried in the sand. Gangway for.
and my mates Cause nothing's gonna get in our way Magical Music Review. I'm back in my Disney Music Library, flipping through lots of good albums. This week, we'll be looking at the soundtrack to Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Our guest star in the studio with Jonathan is Claudia Christian, the voice of Helga Sinclair. Along with Michael J. Fox and David Ogden Stiers, this voice cast came together to create an adventurous film. Released in 2001, the music for the film was composed by James Newton Howard. Okay, enough of my babbling. On to the music. When Milo, Helga, Rourke, and the crew leave on the expedition to find the lost continent of Atlantis. Yes, thank you, Milo. They board a huge underwater submarine. Appropriately named, our first piece is titled The Submarine. The piece uses high and low brass, violins, bells, a little banjo, snare drums, and timpani. In the film, it covers the time when Milo first sees the sub to when the diving officer submerged the ship. Yes, thank you, Helga. Really, guys, I can handle this. 
This piece was often used in the theatrical trailers, so even if you aren't familiar with the actual film, you might still recognize it from home media trailers or the theaters. Take a listen and enjoy. The sub has been sunk, so the crew must travel now on foot and in trucks. The next piece is entitled The Journey. With woodwind, snare drum, high and low brass, xylophone, and violins, the piece details the start of the crew's travels to when they camp out for the night. When the snare is prominent, it almost feels like a march. The moments when the music decrescendos are when the characters are speaking on screen, and then the music crescendos to the previous volume or even a little louder. See what you can notice about the piece.
One of the central plot points in Atlantis are the magic crystals that the Atlanteans wear. What Milo, Keita, Rourke, and Helga discover is the power source to the crystals. They discover the crystal chamber which holds the heart of Atlantis, which lies in the eyes of her king. Okay, Rourke, beat it! The crystal chamber is our final piece. It begins as the crew discovers the heart of Atlantis. The piece begins to take off about 14 seconds in, when Keita feels the call from the crystal. The piece is very low for the intro, with violin, low brass, and the addition of a choir. As Keita begins her walk on the water, and the music picks up, a soloist joins the instrumentation, which begins to include chimes, a mallet instrument, and more violins and low brass. The piece concludes when Keita returns to where Milo, Rourke, and Helga are standing. Can't you just picture a magical scene happening? heads but it's time for me to sign off i hope you've enjoyed this week's magical music review feel free to shoot me an email at page at disradio.com i'd love some suggestions from you until next time d heads see ya Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. See? Wow! It's Disney On Demand. Dibs! Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. Okay, I'm convinced. And a little disgusted.
All right, all of you D-heads, so I'm back once again, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. It has been jam-packed. Tons of things from the D-team, news hot off the D-wire, and I want to extend a very special thank you once again to the one and only, the beautiful, the glorious Claudia Christian for taking some time and stopping in here this week. I mean, your resume is chock full of a variety of different things. Atlantis Lost Empire, Babylon 5, a nonprofit organization helping people with dependence on alcohol and many other things. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule here this week and stopping in with us. Remember, all of you D-heads, definitely check out all of her past work and her nonprofit organization. Just search Claudia Christian and follow all the links to all the different ways that you can stay connected with her. I'd also like to thank the D-Team. No show would be complete without the D-Team. I say that every single week, all of you D-heads. Seriously, you'd have to listen to me ramble in and out all show long. So I gotta give props to the D-Team. So thank you, D-Team, for stopping in here this week. Aaron, Lexi, Paige, Jason, Caitlin, and Nathan, all for stopping in here and bringing their magical segments to all of you D-Heads. Without them, there would be no show. And remember, you can connect up with the D-Team on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. Drop them a line and connect up. They're not shy and they're willing to talk with you, LVD heads. And most of all, and as I always say, thank you, the D-Heads. Without you, there would be no show. We do this show every single week to help you bring your lifetime of Disney to you every single week. So thank you, the D-Heads, for tuning in, sharing the show, and making the show happen. We do the show for you, and you show us your appreciation. So thank you for tuning in. It truly is an honor. So all of you D-Heads, before I let you in as to who's going to be stopping in next week for our big Summerween celebration, I'm going to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find the complete archives of all of our past shows, the latest news blogs, social media links, and more right there on our website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets. You can like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. And remember, you can friend us on Facebook with our newest Facebook page with Facebook.com slash John Diz. That's J-O-N-D-I-Z. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio. And remember, we want your magical memories for Summerween, so call them in on the Magical Memories Hotline right there on our official website. So, all VD heads, with that mouthful out of the way, I'm going to let you in as to who's going to be stopping in next week. Yes, it is show number 82. It'll be July 31st. And instead of celebrating Christmas in July, as we've been pumping up for, we're going to be celebrating Summerween. That's right. We're going to have Halloween and summer, Gravity Falls style. And to help us celebrate and kick off Summerween, we're bringing back our first returning guest here at the show. And you may remember him as Ernie, or also Ice, from Hocus Pocus. Yes, we're going to have the one and only Larry Bagby stopping in here at the show once again. Larry's going to return here at the show as our first returning guest, talk about his music, more about Hocus Pocus, maybe more on that Hocus Pocus sequel that everybody has been rumoring about, and many other things, and helping us kick off and celebrate Summerween. So get ready, all of you D-heads, as Larry Bagby, a.k.a. Ice, is going to be stopping in here at the show and celebrating our Halloween in summer. So all VD heads, with that said, it is time to wrap up this week's show. I've been rambling quite some time. Been a crazy, crazy week going through all the Facebook issues and all that kind of fun. But as I always say, as we get busy, as we get crazy, as it gets just hours upon hours at work, take that time, slow down, 
and never neglect family for business. Until next week, all of you D-heads, I'll catch you online, and have a fantastic weekend. Now, let's go over it again, just so we got it straight. You didn't find anything. Nope. Just a lot of rocks. Fish. Little fish. Sponges. What happened to Helga? Well, after when a flaming Zeppelin come down on it. Uh, missing. That's right. And Rourke? Nervous breakdown. You could say he went all to pieces. In fact, you could say he was transmogrified and then busted into a zillion. <clears throat> He's missing, too. What about Milo? Went down with the sub. <laughs> Lord, give me strength. I'm going to miss that boy. At least he's in a better place now. Dear Mr. Whitmore, I hope this piece of proof is enough for you. Sure convinced me. Thanks. From both of us. Milo Thatch. Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.